0: getting a mental illness in high school can be life-changing and alhamdulillah today i talked to my youngest guest who shares her experience with bipolar while going to high school assalamu alaikum and welcome to season 2 episode 9 of the mentally fit muslims podcast Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you spending your time with me. And I want to let you know that the website for this podcast is finally up. You can visit it at www.mentallyfitmuslims.org. And be sure to sign up for the email list so you know every time there's a new episode. Today, I'm so excited because I'm talking to Miriam, and she's the youngest person I know with bipolar and Alhamdulillah, she's doing really well. And today we just chatted about how she's doing, how she's recovering, and what she does to stay well. All right, enjoy the show. Assalamualaikum Oh, alaikum salam, Saba. How are you? I'm good, alhamdulillah. How are you doing?
1: I'm good, alhamdulillah.
0: It's so nice to have you on because you're the youngest guest on my podcast. So I'm very excited. You want to just tell us a little bit uh, about yourself? uh absolutely so my name is mariam i'm
1: 16 years old and i've had bipolar since i was 14 um and yeah i go to high school now and uh everything is good
0: everything is good wow (laughs) that means you're in a good spot and i think that's why i wanted to have you on because i couldn't believe i'm like you're 16 now right yes yeah so I'm like a 16-year-old with bipolar and she's doing well. I gotta talk to her. Yeah. So <laughs> um, when did you know that you had not exactly that you had bipolar, but you sensed something was off. Um, okay,
1: so um I sensed that something was off since I was 13. I technically got diagnosed when I was 14, but before that, uh I used to have uh Uh, really like down times before that. I didn't know anything about depression. Uh, I didn't even know mania and bipolar wasn't something that's in my dictionary, basically. So um, yeah, I just, um, um, in grade seven specifically, um, there was an incident where I got bullied and I was just under a lot of stress and there was a lot of anxiety. And as patients with bipolar, we know that anxiety Um, triggers episodes so then due to that bullying and due to that um, anxiety I had depression and then I used to have really really down times um, to the point that I would basically like know that okay this is not the normal Miriam like there's there's something wrong with me and that's where I kind of um, sensed that there was something wrong Uh, We did go to a doctor, uh, but that was in another Arab country, so we did go to a doctor, Uh, but then she just said that, oh, it's fine, everyone uh, experiences that, even my uh, daughters experience that, and it's just um, a little bit of uh, stress and you'll be fine. So, yeah, that's that's when I kind of, like, sensed that, oh, no, I'm not fine, like, there was actually something wrong.
0: That sounds so familiar to mine, like the doctor saying that, oh, this is nothing, it's just fine like that. That's how it started with me. When you said the doctor just said to you that this is normal and it happens and they didn't really give you an exact answer. Yeah, that's, you know, that's what happened with me. So after that, what what did you do? How did you, you knew that there was something more. So what did you do from there?
1: Um, So, you know, unfortunately, um, the first time that I went to the doctor, it was a bit too late because I was already past the depression episode and I was kind of back to normal for just a little bit of time. So I feel like that's why the doctor kind of didn't really um, say anything. Uh, But from the symptoms that my parents reported, they should have, like, sensed something. Um, But then uh, Ramadan came and Eid came. And then once Eid came, you know, everyone's supposed to be happy. Uh, But I was the only one that was very, very anxious and very, you know, um, sad and almost depressed at that time. So I kind of just tried to brush it off, but it wouldn't go away. Like, it would just almost become stuck and that's when the people around me started noticing so family started noticing friends started noticing and you know it made me even more insecure and the problem with bipolar is that it's not like you become depressed and right after you become manic no there is actually a little bit of time that you can be normal in a, even if you have a little bit of symptoms but you can still be a bit normal so um, i feel like that's where i kind of just tried to brush it off and wasn't really as i said before bipolar wasn't something in my dictionary so i completely didn't know anything about it i just thought okay i'm a teenager um, it happens to everyone and i actually somewhat believed what the doctor told me
0: Mm mm-hmm yeah i feel like if we don't have that vocabulary so many people fall into this trap because they don't know what is going on and we just have to take other people's word for it especially uh, like uh, doctors and professionals because we think that they have all the answers so whatever i think it's not really that valid so alhamdulillah you know i hope like us talking and someone who's listening, they get that vocabulary. So if they're at a point and they kind of sense the same things that you're talking about, they'll have that vocabulary.
1: Yeah, you know, alhamdulillah, it's a blessing to, you know, have someone else that really understands and kind of went through the same thing. So it's really uh, it's, it's really like nice to have someone
0: that's like that. It is. It's like you click with them because you try to describe this to other people, even a the therapist or the doctor they can't really be in your exact shoes. They can't really know what's going on. So during that period, like you had that depression period, and there was kind of a wellness period, not wellness, mm-hmm. but you know, kind of normal. Yeah. Um, Then did the mania- uh, manic episode come? And how did it happen? What did you yeah. do?
1: Um, So we came to Canada, and grade eight passed, there were some symptoms, but they weren't as severe. And then grade nine came along. That's when things really started uh, shifting for me. So, um, yeah, I I used to be, you know, very, very excited for everything. Uh, it got to a point where I wanted to have a debate and I sent a, an email to my teacher at 2 a.m. Hmm. And there were some times that I couldn't sleep. Uh, It's not because I drank like a shot of espresso in the morning or something. No, it was because of the thoughts that were racing in my head. There was almost um, a train of thoughts that's going in my head and I can't really keep up with it. And, Mm. you know, when I'm in this situation, you get really mixed up because in mania, It's not that you're only happy and you're very excited and all of that. You get so emotional as well. So Mm -hmm. I used to fight a lot with my parents, fight a lot with my siblings. And it got to a point where I would actually, you know, be violent with them. um, And it was very, very bad. And then that's when uh, my parents kind of decided, okay, there's something wrong. I remember... um, I was in a program, a business program, where basically teenagers come together and they create a um, uh, its JA, so Junior Achievement. They create like a kind of a, almost like a company. And mm-hmm. I remember I was like very, very weird at that time. And I remember telling my mom that, mom, um, I feel like I have a mental illness. I don't know what it is. I'm not sure if that's true or not but I feel like there's something wrong. And that's when, you know, my parents kinda took it seriously and they said, okay, uh, we're gonna start going to the hospital and we're gonna have counseling there. So uh, I got referred from my family doctor to uh, the hospital and in there, um, so I actually went two times. The first time, the... The doctor said that it's fine and it's just a little bit of stress and, you know, it's it's normal. And, um, yeah. And then the second time that I went where it got really, really severe, um, it was in a manic episode. And then I remember the, the doctor telling me that and my whole family basically, oh, like she, she has bipolar and this is the diagnosis. And, yeah, I just... It wasn't easy, and it wasn't fun. Um, I started crying, and you know, it was very, very hard to. Even though you kind of sensed something since the beginning, when someone puts you in the actual situation, they actually tell you the reality. It's a whole different level. Like you just, you just couldn't couldn't have imagined that. Oh, you have like you have bipolar. So um, yeah, I just. I got very emotional and then I remember there's actually a video so my parents took a video of me and I was manic at that time (laughs) and um, yeah and I just that was a little bit after the diagnosis but it it was kind of at the beginning of my journey and then I was super happy and I was just like you know I'm manic so I was super happy and I was just like yeah hello everyone Uh, and I said the date and then I was just like yeah, so um, I got diagnosed with bipolar and I'm reading about it and it's actually fun.
0: But what mm. came
1: after it wasn't really fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's where it kind of started and that's where what happened after the depression.
0: When you describe your story, it's like I'm looking in the past and you're just narrating yeah. what happened to me. I mean, it was at a different time, but the story is very, very similar. It's and kind of it, like
1: it's really, yeah. it's really like amazing how like, you know, I can go mm-hmm. through something and you can go through the yeah. same thing, literally yeah. connect a blessing in itself.
0: It is. And with the mental illness, that is so crucial because I think the first thing it does is that it makes you think that you're the only one. It makes you feel isolated. And when you can't find anyone like yourself, you just mm-hmm. go deeper and deeper in words. And especially if you're depressed, you just turn inwards. Um, You know, I used to think like, okay, the first time I went to the doctor, how come they didn't tell me that, you know what, you have bipolar right away. And Mm -hmm. I also realized that they're probably not sure either. Because I had the mentality, they should have all the answers. But I realized maybe the first time they don't know that this is bipolar. They need more time. They don't want to just hand out a diagnosis Because even after I did get the bipolar diagnosis, I had to research and make sure, is this true? Do I really want this label? Is it really accurate? So it's uh, like each time I talk to another person with bipolar, I sort of get more insight into mine as well. Because I learned from the person I'm talking to. So I just realized that because you were also saying that when you first went in, they didn't say that you're bipolar right away this that it could be stress or like that and the same thing happened to me so I'm wondering like why not just say it right away but probably they're not sure either
1: exactly and Mm -hmm. the thing with mental illnesses as well is that um, sometimes mental illnesses or different mental illnesses can be very similar or can have similar symptoms in a way So I feel like that's why doctors don't just want to give out or just say or label you with something that really you don't have. I feel like, as you said, they need more time. They need to be very specific and detailed and they need to know more about you in order for you to, in order for them to give you the correct diagnosis. So that's definitely like uh, a key thing to think about as well.
0: Yeah, because with bipolar and other mental illnesses, there's no like a blood test you can do. Of course, Mm -hmm. it's all the doctor reads the behavior. They ask you for your input. They talk to your family. So it's all about what's going on. And it's all behavior based, which kind of makes things really tough because it becomes subjective as well. Mm -hmm. So there's so many unknowns and it it is tough. It's very tough. Um, When you talk about that, you were in the manic episode and you're happy and you're saying, I have bipolar and it's fun. Yeah, (laughs) I've done stuff like that, too. And then I come out of it and I see the mess I've made. I was like, oh, my God, what happened? What did I do? And, you know, after that, there's a lot of embarrassment or shame or depending on what happened in the episode. Did you like experience something like that? Like you just shared something small, but especially Mm -hmm. being a Muslim and in the Muslim community, what experience did you have with that?
1: You know, um, you know, and this thing, it doesn't like the guilt or the shame that comes with it. Um, it doesn't go away like that. It's not like you snap your fingers and all of a sudden uh, you don't have any of those feelings. No. Um, for me, every time I remember, um, for example, I when I was manic, I used to go to the mosque and it wasn't Ramadan, actually. And I used to go to the mosque and I would literally make friends with anyone and everyone. No matter how old they are, no matter how, you know, young they are, I would just be like that social wall that I would call myself. And I would just be like, yeah, how are you? How's everything? Blah, blah, blah. And all of that. And then, you know, um, I used to volunteer as well. So um, I used to volunteer at a camp and I was still, you know, manic at that time. So, you know, when you're dealing with people, you kind of, you can kind of see in their eyes, now that you look back to it, when you remember that person, you kind of see in their eyes that, oh, um, what the heck is wrong with her? Like, why is she acting like that? I don't know if I'm, like, um, exaggerating or not, but, like.
0: No, I know what you mean. Because I remember when I would get manic, I would go into these, in this space. and you're talking about (laughs) going to the mosque, I did the exact same thing and volunteer and right. my family knew there was something wrong with me they knew I was manic and they'd be like oh, Sabah wow. stay home I'm like no I'm fine I'm fine and they couldn't really like lock the door and control me so I would just mm-hmm. go out start talking to anyone and yeah you're right that look that people have in their eyes you can tell even though you're manic but you can sense yeah. that they sense that something is not right That's with you
1: wrong with you yeah yeah um and then like How look back to it sorry now that I look back to it I'm ashamed like I'm actually I feel guilty for that like why did I do that like um why did I have to be in this situation and then I just keep reminding myself that oh you're going too hard on yourself you can't feel guilty for a time that you're almost like you're literally sick in that time so you can't you know you can't judge yourself for that and you know, I feel like we have to keep reminding ourselves. You can't judge yourself for a time that you were ill or sick or mentally not fit in. And you basically have to just ease and and comfort yourself that, oh, uh, Miriam or Saba or whoever that is, you weren't well at that time, and it's okay to not be well.
0: Mashallah, you're so mature for a 16-year-old. <laughs> Well, um, yeah you're right about you have to tell yourself that you were sick and that's why you were doing that because if somebody had a broken leg and they could not walk as fast as the person next to them they would never feel guilty about that they wouldn't feel ashamed that hey my leg doesn't work as well as that person but somehow with mental illnesses, we feel ashamed for the behavior that is linked to the disorder and the illness. Yes. And that is a self-stigma and stigma around us that we have to overcome because as long as we keep doing that, we'll never see this as, you know, just any other disorder, any other thing that we have to deal with. Yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm glad that you brought that up. Okay, so after you knew that you had bipolar, so you were in grade Nine. So that's two, grade nine. Okay. Yeah. Um. So you're in grade uh, grade 12 now?
1: I'm in grade 11.
0: No. 11. Okay. So how have things shifted for you now that you've kind of had a couple of years to grow into bipolar, you know, kind of come to terms with it? Now, um, what do you hope for your future and how has it affected your viewpoint on life and about yourself? You know, I feel like, the
1: most significant change that happened in my life was that I started realizing and believing that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves someone, He really starts to test them. And that test uh, shouldn't be a punishment, and it's not a punishment. And I have to keep reminding myself of that all the time. Because, you know, sometimes as, as, um, People with mental health disorders or something like that, we just start to go really hard on on ourselves. And especially if you're a Muslim, you keep thinking that, oh, is that a punishment or is that a test? Or did I do something wrong and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is punishing me? Like, I'm really not sure. But you know, you have to keep reminding yourself that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves someone, you know, he starts to test them. And why does he test them? He tests them because, you know, he wants to really raise you to higher levels in Jannah. So that's the main point. And, you know, I'm not saying that, oh, I'm like, I keep reminding myself of that all the time. And, you know, it's all going well. And there's nothing uh, like bad in my life. No, uh, I do have times that I'm really down in. And I keep question that, oh, like, why me? Or like, um... And you know when 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 you're living with a mental health disorder, and you know something that's not related to it happens, or like you be upset about something, you start saying, "Oh, only if I wasn't bipolar, like this wouldn't have happened." So mm-hmm. you know, it it really it's really um, interesting how we think that way. Uh, of course, I don't know about you, and I don't know about many other people, but for me, I keep thinking about
0: that, and you know. I still think that.
1: I still think
0: that. If I didn't have bipolar, I'd be able to do this. If I didn't have bipolar, then I could have done this.
1: Exactly. I keep thinking that way. And, you know, it just comes with time. You just got to shift your self talk and you got to challenge that thought with, oh, um, you know, uh, there's nothing wrong with me and I'm well now. In fact, I've made progress, even if it's slow, even if it's only 1%. No. I'm still becoming better and I will be better and you know um, because right now I have therapy and therapy is a great tool for it but at the beginning I wasn't really convinced I was like um, yeah like how how come when you write down your negative self-talk and then you write down your positive self-talk all of a sudden your your thinking is gonna shift Well, it doesn't really work that way. It works after a couple of times. It works after multiple times. It works when you when it comes to a point where you don't have to write it down on a piece of paper anymore. You can just think about it in your head and you can really challenge that negative thought with a positive thought, with many positive thoughts, actually. So it really comes down to um, your self-talk and how you think and um, what you want to be in terms of my future uh, what i'm hoping for in the future is to obviously meet new people and meet more people with uh, the same disorder that i have and learn from their um, um, experiences and actually get to know them more and uh, on a personal level i want to start just really changing and shifting my thoughts and my negative self-talk to a positive one um, even when I'm sad so what I mean by that is sometimes when we get sad as I said before we keep saying um, only if I didn't have bipolar this wouldn't have happened but we really we really can't blame it on bipolar anymore because alhamdulillah, we're supposed to be well now so you know um, I just I'm just hoping that one day I can, when I'm sad, I can keep reminding myself that, oh, Miriam, it's not because of bipolar and it's not because of me. It's just, it's something that happened and I can change it and I will change it right now and I'll be more happy.
0: Inshallah. Inshallah. Um, you mentioned therapy and yeah. you are saying you were you're not sure of it in the beginning mm-hmm. and how how did you actually get yourself to go, and how did you change that mindset? Because a lot of people there are not open to therapy. You know, they're like, "Why pay someone to listen to you talk? I can just talk to you." Or, you know, there's no yeah. point. I I don't want to share any personal details with anyone. So yeah. how how did you get yourself to go? And now that you have, you're talking about how it actually does help.
1: Yeah, you know, um sometimes I still get these thoughts that oh like therapy doesn't help but I remember I keep reminding myself of that one time that once my dad was driving me to therapy and he was just joking around me he was just like yeah Miriam we we keep going to therapy every Friday and you know it's it's not really fun and like why don't we just stop and he wasn't like he wasn't taking it seriously and I was just like um he was just joking and then I just looked at him and I was like yeah I know i don't like it and i know that um it's not fun but i know that one day i'll see the progress i know that one day every single step that i took in therapy will pay off and it will be worth it so that's kind of when i started thinking that oh maybe therapy is not as bad and then you know um i started opening up opening up more with my therapist So I wouldn't just go to her and or go to him and be just like, oh, I'm like, yeah, I'm super shy and I'm not really going to tell you anything or blah, blah, blah. No, I I start talking with them. I know it's embarrassing and I know that you can really feel feel insecure, but really they see like a lot of patients every single day. And, you know, my therapist told me that once she was like, yeah, Miriam, I don't judge you for your thoughts and I will never judge you for anything. I'm here to help." And this is really their job. Like they like it and they enjoy it. They love helping people. So even till today, I still question therapy. But every time I look back on that incident and every time I look back on how I was before therapy and how I am now with therapy, there's a huge uh, shift in my thinking and there's a big um, change in me as a person. So I, I'm better. There's, there's progress. And even if it's slow. So with me, um, I've been in therapy for two years now. The progress is somewhat slow. And, uh, you know, this sometimes can cause me to think that, Oh, Mary, I'm like, uh, we got to speed it up a little bit, but it doesn't happen that way. Cause our brains and how, um, it works and, and how we think it got, almost like in a system over the years. And you can't just change how you think in one day or in one hour or in one minute. No, it takes time. And it takes a lot of time. So we've got programmed over years. You can just expect for this change to happen over over um an hour or over a day. No, it happens over years as well. So yeah, you just gotta keep reminding yourself of that and therapy does help. And I will keep reminding myself of that every single day that therapy does help
0: i'm glad you mentioned that i think therapy is really important and in the beginning i was not open to it either and i over the years like i've been seeing a therapist since i think what is it now 16 17 years and <laughs> the moment i stop it's like the mental junk just adds up and and yeah it's like, I can't find anything in my head. It's like my bedroom. If I don't clean up and I let it get dirty and the clothes just pile up and the papers and the books, then when I need something, I cannot go and find it. And I find it's the same way in my head. Therapy Mm -hmm. is like a dumping ground and it's a very safe dumping ground. And I like what you said about your therapist. She said that I won't judge you for your thoughts. I think yes. that is so powerful and it's so helpful because even ourselves, we judge ourselves for our thoughts.
1: That's very true.
0: Yeah. Okay. And getting over that is tough because our brain, what it does is think. That's its job. It's like our lungs. Our lungs are designed to breathe. So if mm-hmm. we're shaming our brain for doing its job, then it's it's absurd. It's kind of we're attacking it for its you know, very on purpose, the purpose that it was made for. So yeah. I'm, I am I, love that you said that, that I won't judge you on your thoughts. So as I'm talking to you, there's so many insights that I'm learning from you. And I, I just still can't get over the fact that I'm talking to a high school student. <laughs> like when I was in high school, I was a mess. And <laughs> I, I knew I had bipolar and I was doing all these behaviors oh my god i'd be breaking stuff i'd be so aggressive i'd have so many moods up and down but yeah oh my god and alhamdulillah i'm so happy that you've gotten the help so early on and inshallah that will set the course for the rest of your life because many people like 10 years later when they're in their 20s or even like in their 30s and 40s they find out that they have a mental illness Yeah. yeah go ahead what were you gonna say Oh, I was just
1: saying it gets worse if the diagnosis got, um, they got diagnosed late. Yeah. Yeah, it just gets super worse. So, yeah, I'm glad, Alhamdulillah, that I got it
0: early. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, it's a blessing. Because I used to think, you know, it ruined my life right from the start. But Mm -hmm. I think it kind of gave us a head start because we knew beforehand and Mm -hmm. we could get help earlier. And it's just like you're saying, you know, the our brain, um, our brain was programmed all this time and to unprogram it or to kind of clean it up and get it mentally fit again. It's going to take time. So the earlier you start, the better. So, Mariam, I wanted to ask you, what role does Islam play in helping you manage bipolar? Like you talked about um, how. This illness is just a test from Allah. And when yes. we see it as that, it's not something that you take personally. And you it kind of levels the ground with other people. Because you realize every other person has a test too. And this is my lot. This is what I have to deal with. And Allah gave it to me for a reason. So yes. that can really shift your viewpoint and then give you a really really strong purpose to go through this pain because the pain is still there just because you have this insight doesn't mean it's all fun and happy it just gives you a reason so that pain has a purpose so Mm. along those lines like how else has islam played into your recovery
1: you know um really like islam is such a beautiful religion and the, I feel like the, the best thing about it is that you can really communicate with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's not like you're communicating with him through someone else No, you're actually directly communicating with him through dua, through dua um, That's basically like I'm dumping everything out And I feel like dua, you don't really have to restrict it with anything You can just like just raise your hands to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And tell him about anything and everything and just tell him like, oh Allah, I feel this, I feel that, I feel down, I'm so sad, and blah blah blah, and just dump everything out. And if you want to cry, cry, like no worries, no, no one's gonna judge you. And He's your Lord, so He created you, and He He will listen to you, Subhanallah. And you know, um, just du'a in itself is the most beautiful way of communicating with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because after you're done, and after all of what you said, you actually feel this relief. Like somehow, after all of that crying, after all of that, you know, um, all of those words that you said to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and all of that, all of this big conversation, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just listens. SubhanAllah, it just, it, it's very therapeutic and it just relieves everything. No, I'm not saying that you know, dua is the, it's the like the only thing that will heal you. Of course it can, but you have to take the reasons as well. So you have to go to a therapist. You have to go and take your meds. It's not like Um, If you don't take your meds and you just do it, you're somehow going to be fine. No, you have to take your meds as well. But it's just that um, dua is such a beautiful way to just um, dump everything out and feel that relief afterwards.
0: I love that you say that dua is therapeutic. And Mm -hmm. it's not therapy, but it definitely is therapeutic. I find that dumping ground and just talking to Allah from the heart, it definitely it's like rain coming, it washes everything out and then you feel kind of fresh again.
1: Yes. So,
0: yeah, that connect- I feel like bipolar has made my connection to Allah stronger because every time I feel pain, I turn to him because I know ultimately he's the only one who can yes. change my condition, who can help me. He's the one who's going to send me the doctors, the meds, the support, the therapy, but he is the source. And I think going to him right when the calamity hits, right when you have an episode or even like tiny things, you know, you feel stressed out, somebody really like bothers you and you just take it a lot harder than someone else because of the bipolar and turning to Allah right from the beginning. And while it's happening and then thanking him in the end, it just, it makes you feel like you have somebody there all the time. You have someone, some power overlooking you. So that loneliness that I was talking about that we get from talking to each other, talking to Allah first is, I find, the first way to feel that you have that support.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you when you said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will always be there for you he's just mm-hmm. always around, he'll always be around, and he was around. Um So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, he will always be there for you. So that's definitely a key thing yeah. to think of as well.
0: So, talking about your support um, or just support in general, what, mm-hmm. how is it with you, like with your family and friends and your community? Did yeah. you find you had a lot of support and did you have any backlash? You know, um,
1: obviously, my family, alhamdulillah, they've been really supportive since the beginning. Um, yeah, they were just super supportive alhamdulillah. I can't be thankful enough um, but yeah my family is basically like the main source um, so far I only know one person in the community uh, in my community that's bipolar and um, I can't really connect that much because uh, they're much older than me so yeah like i can't be friends with them or something um but yeah but i can definitely talk to them and open up with them about um some stuff um but yeah i feel like the main support was through uh, my family and uh, my therapist and my psychiatrist so like the doctors um but i was super happy um when I knew about you and when uh you know yeah. I um I just knew that, you know, someone out there is actually like you.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, I know the feeling. I remember the first time I found my bipolar Muslim friend.
1: Yes. <laughs> it's it's like so amazing how like you think that, oh I'm the only one and I'm so isolated and no one's like me and then you just all of a sudden see someone and they're like you and
0: you we're know, talking and... as if we're like a different species or something and we... exactly we found someone of our own kind uh, that's so
1: true you're just like when you see another person from that species as well you just look at them and you're like yes i can connect with you yeah. so so yeah it's definitely like uh, a great thing it's a blessing that you know I know someone else that's like me, even if it's only one person, even if it's only yeah. two. But it's, it's 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 certainly like a good support.
0: Yeah, I find that's the cool thing with bipolar or depression or anxiety. You kind of connect with someone who has the exact same thing as you and you can't yeah. have that same connection with someone else. Like they can try to understand and sympathize, but you get this special bond with someone who has that same thing as you. Cause and I, I think that's precious yeah because
1: they've been because they've been through the same things that you've been through as well so that's why they can you guys can kind of click um but yeah it's definitely like more magical when you meet someone that's <laughs> like you and you can kind of connect and then as opposed to if you talk to your therapist or something they will still like help you and stuff but they have not technically experienced the same thing
0: yeah. They've read about it in a book, but they haven't actually gone through it. Yeah. So what do you have in place in your life right now that someone who's listening and they're struggling with bipolar and they're just learning about it, what would you recommend to them to, you know, have in place in their life, in their schedule or just in their daily routine? What would you say to them that, hey, you should try this and this could help because it helped me. So what advice, basically, would you give to them?
1: Um,
0: Okay, so my advice is to basically open up about it um,
1: with people that you feel safe around. So, for example, for me, um, whenever I feel down or whenever I I, I feel like, oh, I can't handle it anymore, I would just go up to my mom or my dad and I would just basically talk to them and, you know, say everything to them. The same thing, try to open up with your therapist. Like, that's key. Try to treat them as, you know, as if they weren't just a stranger. They are a stranger, but they're trying to help you. So just try to open up with them. And you'll be surprised of how helpful they can be. And then for like practical tips, I would say just like this is something that I've tried recently and it's it's been like really good for me. So uh, it's a gratitude journal. So every day I would write down, not not every single day, but when I have the time, um, I would write down three things that I'm grateful for. And I would say Alhamdulillah for each of them. Um, so that's something that's been really helping me and uh, it really helps to shift your focus from the um the difficulty to what you already have and what you're blessed with
0: MashaAllah it's it's so um mind-blowing to hear a teenage talk about a gratitude journal <laughs> <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> alhamdulillah I'm, I'm so as your older sister i'm much older but as your older sister i'm so proud of you MashaAllah, I, I keep saying that because I I just believe that's so true, and I that gratitude journal is it's like gold, and I I do that too, and I find it's such a mood shifter, and I was um, before I go to sleep, like uh, to my daughter, I tell her, okay, let's say thank you to Allah for something. So I'll say thank you Allah, you know, for the food today, and then she'll choose something, and then the other day I said thank you Allah for the messy house, and she's like, huh, messy house, isn't that something bad, why are we saying thank you for something, you know, that's not good, and I realized that, you know, we sometimes only say thanks um, to Allah for things that we like, you know, that this went well, and this was good, Uh, but I learned from a teacher that the next level of gratitude is to say thanks for something that you don't like, that is out of your control, and that brings a
1: yeah, because you show right? that you're satisfied with it, because you show yeah. that
0: you're
1: satisfied with it. And, uh, you know, satisfaction is basically the thing that I think every Muslim's trying to reach, that you're satisfied. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested, you're satisfied. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you something that's good, you're also satisfied. So I mm-hmm. feel like that's kind of where it comes from.
0: It does, yeah. So it definitely helps. Um, yeah. Okay, so you talked about a gratitude journal. You talked about finding someone to open up to. So for you, it's your parents uh, and your therapist. What about, like, role of friends and community? What What would you say to somebody, like, that maybe they're not so close to their parents, but they have really good friends? Do you think that's a good outlet as well?
1: That's a great outlet, to be honest. Um, as As long as you're comfortable with uh, it, and as long as you know that your friend is going to listen to you. Because, um... I have a really good friend, Alhamdulillah, and she's basically, like, so far, one of the few people that know um, that I have my POUR. And, uh, yeah, when I kind of opened up with her, she just, you know, she just supports me, and she tries, she really tries to encourage me to keep going, and, Mariam you got this, and everything. So, if you definitely have a friend that you know will support you, and you know will accept you with with anything then totally open up with them and totally tell them and it really like breaks that barrier of thinking that oh they're gonna judge you but when you actually tell them they won't judge you in fact they will see the strength that you have and you can Mm -hmm. empower them through that as well so yeah definitely i would definitely encourage anyone uh if they have a friend that they can open up with then totally if you have like someone that you know that is bipolar just ask them and see and you can really learn from the from their insights and their experiences even if they're still struggling with it because i know mm-hmm. i am still struggling with mm-hmm. it but um yeah but i just i talk i like uh i talk to you and i try to talk with another person as well and i kind of like get its and bits from here and just like um come up with my own insights as well and keep reminding myself of that
0: I think accepting, I can see that you've accepted bipolar and Alhamdulillah, I have too, but I don't think acceptance makes the guilt and the tough feelings go away. I feel like they still pop up every time um, I have a new thing, you know, a new goal in my life, a new challenge, like, you know, getting a job or getting married or having a kid, any next, um, you know, normal step that comes in life. It's like, I have to start kind of from ground zero again because those same feelings of okay i i'm not good enough for it because of bipolar i can't do this so it's like starting all over again but um looking at you you're setting a foundation mashallah that is so strong uh when you hit these milestones like getting into college or university into a program you want and then career and then marriage or kids if you know if that's in your goal whatever that comes along the way you have a solid foundation that you're setting, inshallah, that will just make those goals easier. So th- yeah, that's what I wanted to highlight. And I, I love that you reached out and you, know, you talked to me because that is what changed the course of my bipolar journey. I try to find people who are in the same situation and I find that support is the most important thing. 'Cause you can have a doctor, you can have family, you can have medication and all that. But until you find uh, people of your own kind, you know, the species we were talking about. <laughs> until you find that, that that's when you kind of feel at home. So thank you so much for reaching out. Um, uh, I have a new friend on my bipolar journey now. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: um is I do there... good. What?
1: I-, I do too. Like I do have yeah. a as well so that's good.
0: It is it's a great healing. Um Hi. is there anything else you want to share or ask uh, or add?
1: Oh no, I I think that really summed it up. I don't think so.
0: Um I think I'll probably have you on again inshallah cuz I I feel like <laughs> as you go along in life I I want to sh- uh, like listen to your story and I want to see how you're doing and you know I think that'd be oh, really cool. Great. My honor yeah. to be honest. That's good. <laughs> Well, Honor is mine to <laughs> have <laughs> met such a young person. MashaAllah, I am so amazed. I'm so inspired by you. Um, thank, you. thank you for coming on. And uh, I hope uh, I hope to talk to you again, Mariam.
1: Hopefully. Yes, thank you so much. JazakAllah
0: khairan. Wa iyaakum. Assalamu salamu alaykum.
1: Alaikum salam.
0: Alright, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you benefited, please subscribe to my podcast and share this episode with a family or a friend. Alright, see you next time. Asalaamu (laughs) Alaikum.